Hey guys, my name is CJ Finley and this is the Thrive On Podcast. I started a brand called Thrive On Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. So if you have a new idea, a new project, or a new business you're trying to get started and you don't really know where to start, reach out to me. I'd love to help you or connect you with somebody that can. On today's episode, I have Mike Limangeli. I hope I said his name right. I did. <laughs> Sounds right. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a new buddy of mine here in Austin, Texas. He's someone else that has gone from six figures to no figures to now owning his own business and possibly selling it in the near future. I'll let him speak on that. But yeah, I brought Mike on today to speak on Thrive on Health. He has been vegan for six years and has a huge role in his life. If the, For those of you that don't know, I am very conscious of what I put in my body. So I do do a lot of mixing and matching of different fruits, vegetables, proteins, carbs things of that nature, and I'd love to just learn more about what it's like to be vegan. So just to start off, the first question I would probably have for you is how the hell did you go from six figures to no figures to now running a successful business? Give us a little bit about that backstory. Yeah, so um, I came straight out of college with a psych degree. Where'd you go to college? University of Maryland. Ah, go Terps. Yeah, kind of. I don't really care that much (laughs) about them. They haven't really helped me uh, much, and they keep calling me, asking me for money, which is hilarious. Um, but I went from psych degree, realizing that everyone came from a psych degree, um, worked for my dad's company. Um, what did your dad do? Uh, owns a car warranty company out of, uh, Pittston, Pennsylvania. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, I started a territory in Maryland and Virginia with $0, grew it to a hundred thousand dollars a month after three years of hustling, cold calling car dealers, which is always an interesting process because nobody ever likes going to car dealers, but I was living with them essentially every day. And then once from there. So how did you, how did you go from psychology into like, is that what you envisioned? Do you know you were going to jump into a car dealership or mm. what was your like vision of when you're going to get that psych degree? What did you think was going to happen out of college? I wanted to be a teacher for sure. And that's actually how I full circle. I want to end my career as a, as a teacher and show people things that I know I'm usually, uh, really prophetic about things and it means a lot to me if people know everything that's going on in my brain so that they can judge and see the world just a little bit differently and that's everything just about having an open mind and that's where I come from for sure. Um, The psych degree was just because I was so interested in learning how somebody's brain works and like I was always interested in like serial killers and the fact that somebody could do something like that and I just want to know why people do the things they do and that's where it came from and then it yielded like foot in the door techniques for cold calling and like was able to apply my psych degree and essentially sales is literally just learning how to be liked by somebody but in a in a true passionate way not being manipulative and faking it um sometimes for example you'd see um a uh, a picture of a a dad the car dealer with their son playing baseball then we just talk about baseball for 30 minutes and they're like oh let me see your product like okay cool so just all the foot in the doors and learning how to rearrange your life just to be able to get that one shot at business and then you prove to them after how good you are by just becoming friends is like the easiest yeah because that's like a huge stipulation <laughs> and misunderstanding in sales is like a lot of people don't like sales because it's like ooh this the sleazy car right. salesman yes just exactly like talking about so how did you fight that stigma when so you're going from psychology of like understanding people to then you jump into like this whole new world of holy shit I'm a car salesman and like most people this is what they think about car salesmen how did you like break down that stigma in your like day to day when you're trying to get your foot in the door so 
everybody viewed me as essentially sleazy as well because of us being a salesman. And that's just like this terrible thing that I also wanted to redefine and reform because I wanted to be that guy who was just selling, not having to be a sleazeball to do so. So essentially with a warranty product, all I'm trying to do, because there's millions of warranty products out there and generally everyone thinks that warranties are bullshit regardless. So let's say you have your engine covered, transmission, whatever, water pump, and then you have a warranty that you think is going to cover it, and then they don't. And that's what everyone's impression is of a warranty, because that's how warranty companies would make money, by denying claims, just like insurance or whatever it is. So my job was to just tell them how we were different, and then they would give me a car that would break down within two days, and then I'd have to prove it to them that we were going to cover that engine, but then also show them that to not take advantage. It was this weird dichotomy of just being accepted, making friends, and then showing them that... Yeah, underselling that's, over providing. Exactly. And that's, I guess, like what a lot of people don't see on the sales side of things is like the true salesman, like we're selling every day. You're selling every, every the moment from the moment you wake <laughs> up, no matter what job you're in, whether you said you want to be a teacher, like if you're a teacher, you're selling the little kids. So yeah. like if the little kids don't believe you and they don't listen to you and learn, then they're a generation that's going to be probably make our world worse. So like exactly. you're selling in every single scenario. Um, and that's a lot of th that's what a lot of people don't understand. So no matter what you're trying to do, like having these sales skills that you you learned is crucial to being successful. So let's flip it into okay. So you were doing this car salesman, and you were so you were in Pittston, PA, or where I was were you in, at in this time? Um, I started because I grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland. Uh, I took Maryland, DC, and Virginia territory, like massive behemoth of a territory, where my dad said no one's ever been. So I'm taking these fucking brochures okay with my <laughs> ragamuffin car driving into these car dealers with just a brochure put it down on the table open it up upside down for them and i'm literally saying hey what's up this is what we cover this is what we promise we'll cover and then you just literally pick anything be like remember that one time you had a problem with an o2 sensor and they're like of course i do oh yeah that's listed no one other no other company will cover an o2 sensor which then would cause an engine or something to fail so that's how companies get around as well as like we don't cover that, so then that means that's not gonna be covered. Even if something were to break, that's covered. If something else caused it, not gonna happen. So we took out all the stops. And my dad built it, that company. He used to work for another warranty company. Him and the president of that company broke off, started their own thing. And that's all my the generation has clearly becoming is starting something, then breaking off, starting your own thing, and then starting something, and just like, and that's just like, I was kind of- Yeah, all the ambitious people out there, like don't recreate the wheel. Right, like, I guess exactly. one of the things I wanna preach to anybody listening to this, do not recreate the wheel, like jump into something that's established. And that's what a lot of, that's another misconception like in the entrepreneur space is like, where you, you, you get into, are they born or are they bred? And that's right. where I think it's a little bit of a hybrid, like the best entrepreneurs out there get a taste of like what other bigger successful companies are doing and then they implement their own sauce into yep. that. So what started your whole transition into, okay, maybe this isn't for me? Like what struggles were you having where you kind of had this realization that, I mean, you were probably like, from what you told me, you were crushing it there. So even though you were crushing it, you still were like, man, like I'm not satisfied. Like, what do you think started that? I felt like the number in my bank account was something I always lived for, but then I was on the phone, like we've talked about before, some days I couldn't even get out of bed because the phone calls came in at 8.30 and didn't stop until 8.30 at night. So I couldn't even go out on the road to try to promote my product because all I was doing was answering problems and creating solutions. So 
I felt like I made that bank account number look good enough. And then it was like, I don't know, I just felt like it wasn't fulfilling other pieces of my life. Um, just like we always say like, oh, once I have that, I'll be great. Or once I have the big house with the white picket fence, I'll be great. Once I have the Maserati, I'll be great. And then once I had the number that I wanted, I wasn't feeling great. And so that's, I was also something that I explained to people as the American nightmare instead of the American dream where we are working our asses off until 50 and then God forbid we have a heart attack because we've been stressing, eating poorly, sacrificing our health the entire time to get to that point where we can retire and then people die. And to then think about how sad of a life that would be. And our parents went through it, our grandparents went through it because they didn't have the options that we now have, which is something so beautiful to be able to take that money. And there's just so many ways to be able to make money nowadays and just figure out what you're passionate about and then do that. And then if you lose a little bit of passion, flip that into something else. And that's where we're hopefully headed um, within the next couple of years for sure. So you mentioned at the end of that, like your health, like you started thinking about your long-term longevity yeah. on this on this now planet. I was like 22 and I was yeah. only 22 and I started thinking about and that. so what caused that at such a young age because um, a lot of people they man they get stuck like some of my clients are like mid 30s mid 40s and now they're realizing it but yeah. for you I think it's a little bit different of a scenario what caused that at such a young age was it because you were going out to all these dealerships or because you were in sales you were seeing a lot like I've, I lived in the sales world and like being an entrepreneur you see a lot you experience a lot and you kind of are always on, like right. you said, from eight to 9 p.m., you're always on thinking, and then what was the difference between you and everybody else that kind of just stays in that lane? Well, I feel like I've always been an older soul, which is why you and I get along really well, but also intuitive. So I could read all these stagnant people who are becoming obese in their fucking office chair when I'm going and cold calling these dealers, and yeah, they have loads of money, loads of cars, and they're still, just like can barely fit in their <laughs> desk when I'm trying to talk to them. And then I talked to a lot of people about health while I was doing that, but that was towards the end. Um, a couple of my dealers went vegan, which is a really beautiful start, thing to me. But You start realizing like this is for me, like the man yeah. that hits home is just like, wow, like I'm selling to these people that I don't even look up to. Right. And what that's the so fuck strange. is this? Okay. Like, <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny you said that because for a long time, they're constantly looking down on me. And so it's like, you are on loan. Everything you have is um, from a bank loan or whatever. You actually don't have any kind of wealth. And then you're also not the brightest. So then you're judging me for coming into your business to try to sell you something and constantly just like, I was getting berated. I was getting yelled at, cussed out all the time. And like, that's where it was like, well, the money isn't worth that to be talked down to by somebody who is nothing. Yeah, to you, it exactly. means nothing. And that's yeah. that's a... For anyone listening out there, like if you're in a job or a role, like the the number one thing I can tell you, or one of the number one things, because I hate to put just one thing out there, is if you're working for a company or people that you don't even see that you want to become, you need to get the hell out as fast yeah. as possible and start surrounding yourself with other people that you look up to. Because again, don't recreate the wheel. Whatever ideas that you have or projects, there's somebody else out there that is working on them that could help you get to that next step. I never, I never uh, preach to just jump without like trying to figure out what you're trying to do next. And that's kind of like what we're gonna dig into now is like, okay, so you had this awakening of my health and mm -hmm. then 
when how long was it where you started thinking like wow my health is more important to when you actually like you pick up the phone and you like, you have to tell your dad you're quitting like most people like i just had to walk out on like somebody that's like stranger oh, this is my this is my yeah. i only worked for this guy for five months i've only known him for five months not a big deal but like my fucking dad like you had to pick up the phone and literally be like this isn't for me anymore like thank you for the opportunity run run us a little bit through that yeah uh so i actually remember the morning vividly because i was on the west coast because what had happened was I've always been like an ocean lover at heart. So I figured out a way to make my way to California for free by showing them and proving to them how I could build a, build a brand for Virginia, Maryland, DC for our company. And then my dad calls me and says, hey, we're opening California, do you want this? And it would be sacrificing everything I created, handing it off to somebody else so they didn't have to work hard at all and they just walk into a hundred grand a year because of all the shit that I did. And then I have to go and start fresh in California. That and means was, you're a fucking entrepreneur, bro. Yeah, I was like, I was like all right, let's just do it. <laughs> that, let's fucking do that's it. That's what that means. So um, I get there and then I start realizing that I thought that maybe the palm trees and the weather would make me love my job more. And then I realized it only made me want to do something else more. And so after they shipped the car, $1,500, they moved me out there, I got my apartment, paying me some salary, it was really, really hard for me to still get to work. And I still called on dealers, made great relationships, built up sales probably to like 20 grand at that point within the first couple months. And then just, I just had to make the call because I was already getting yelled at again in this new place. Yeah. And then from there we had to, uh, I had to figure out a way to make the phone call to my dad at 6.30 in the morning on the West Coast, 9.30 East Coast. And I just had to let him know how I was feeling and how I needed to get out of this business for my own personal health and just my if I was going to do anything else in my life now was the time how old were you uh, I was 25 and how old are you now 29 okay so four years ago yeah. and you were living where where in San Diego I was just there it was uh, Pacific Beach awesome. Man. which is a place I didn't belong <laughs> though because everyone calls it sticky because I don't do drugs and I don't drink so it was just for cheap rent it was all so I was living in this party town putting up with all this shit but then I was I wasn't engaging any of that. I was in bed by nine, you know? So that was a really good uh, turning point for me. I made the phone call and he did a little bit of trying to, just like any other boss would, you have to put the family aside and separate the files in the folder between son and dad and figure out a way to, like from my dad's perspective, how are you gonna manage your kid's health sacrifice but also want to keep somebody who's an amazing employee I was yeah. top salesman since I started and that was something that he really like that drove him which is it always like kind of chokes me up because I'll never forget we had this we had this one sales conference and like he was like crying up at the front just presenting me with this award because like everyone else was doing maybe like 50,000 in sales and I was up to buck 30 and it was just like he was so proud and that was strange too because my parents divorced when they were young and so to see my dad accept me in that space and like be proud of me because I usually only saw him once a month my entire life because he lived in PA yeah living in Maryland he would come we'd stay at a Holiday Inn and just do the mall the zoo whatever the fuck it was and then um, we just had a decent time when we could and then I grew up is all that happened so then from that point on um, our relationship's been amazing he's been super supportive um, I told him that I wanted to do something in the health sphere um, I think the original idea was to do some type of maybe smoothie bar or make healthy ice cream and or something. Why? Um, 
what's what spurred that so you're, you're out in san diego and did you have this idea before you call them up because like the biggest thing for people is like taking that leap like did you have antisocial ice cream so this this is the ice cream shop vegan ice cream shop that mike owns was that even in your realm like what were you thinking um i was already starting to write business plans okay yeah while i was still working for and my how'd dad. you learn to to write these business plans um i didn't i mean college high school whatever gave you general strategies but it was just like hop online literally google how to write a business plan that's how beginner it was for me to and so even more risk because I didn't really know. And you were doing this while you were working at the dealership? Well, while I was working for many car dealers. Just, yeah. 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 So, for your dad. Yes, exactly. So, um, and what had triggered this business plan and talking about health was because, like I said, I saw all these car dealers on their desk jobs and I was even starting to get sedentary because I was just driving. My walking was from car to door, door to car. So I was driving hundreds of thousands of miles every year when feeling it in my stomach and I was only 22 at that time. So um, segue into this whole vegan health aspect was uh, I started doing P90X with my with my best friend who had been That's vegan awesome. for like five years. <laughs> I know, Tony Horton, shout out if you're listening. Um, he, uh, he bet me, it was around the time for Lent. I grew up Catholic, don't really practice religion anymore, but he bet me $1,000 that I couldn't cut meat out of my diet because that's how Italian I was sausage and pepper spaghetti and meatballs like that's just who I was and telling my dad that I was vegan was like this I'm making yeah, like fun the, of you're quitting yeah, and you're becoming a vegan I know it's like, just like uh, jab jab but um yeah so he bet me a thousand dollars I couldn't do it I never made him pay me but I did it and then I just realized like his results were happening so much faster because of the plants that he was putting in his body versus me doing P90X and eating General So's chicken or like still sauce in your peppers because like whatever protein yeah and so then i was like fuck it let's do it and then from that moment on uh it just transgressed into now me and i thank him every day for allowing me to open my mind to think about how i can impact other people's lives ever since we opened antisocial we've converted like 15 people to veganism just by using ice cream which is such a cool medium because it as long as it tastes good generally the ears are open so when you have something good in somebody's mouth they're going to be listening to what you're saying. And so that was, we just use ice cream as a medium to discuss things that matter. Water waste, um, environmental land usage, um, milking cows, it's not cool. There's just so many different things. And I think a lot of people ascribe to this dairy-free lifestyle way easier than a meat-free lifestyle. So that's where I thought the niche was, we're not reinventing the wheel. There's other vegan ice cream shops out there, but we just wanted to plant our little niche market in a space like the Oasis at in Austin that would never, ever, ever see a dairy-free ice cream shop. Before, it was just a Froyo shop. They closed down. I'm not sure really what happened, but we took the risk, and it's paid off like tenfold on my, our investments, and we built out a beautiful store, and that's really what brought us to Austin. Um, my sister lived in San Antonio. I moved in with her and three dogs and her husband in a one-bedroom apartment, finishing the business plan for the shop. And to go from that to now have our own space and to be three years deep in this, it has been something that you could never have planned for, which is something that was really beautiful to me too. Yeah, because like that's what I that's what I first asked you. Like, did you have this vision in your head of what it is? And that's what trips a lot of people up because they want to go from A to Z real fast, and they don't even realize that like you don't even know what Z is yet, no, and nor no should idea. you. Like, if you're if you're gonna strive to to 
get the most out of this life, like there is no Z. It's just you keep ebb and flow and feeling on, okay, for you it was, I'm driving around these dealerships and like this just isn't for me. Kind of the same thing for me. Like when I was in my sales job, I started thinking like, if I'm gonna be selling, I might as well be selling something that I believe in. Exactly. And if I believe, if I create it, then I believe in it and then I can find other people that believe in the same things that I do. So how hard was it for you to transition from this lifestyle of like, all right, I have my set hours and what I'm doing, like that comfortable space to like, holy shit, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm eating something completely different and I'm working out. Like, what was that transition like? How long of a time frame? So you were in San Diego, how long of a time frame from when you quit your job to when you actually wrote this business plan to when you got in, here in Austin? So that's funny. Uh, crazy story, no A to Z, exactly right. I never could have envisioned what the story even looks like at this, like. At this point, we knew we wanted a modern layout or whatever, but to see it in action was not even like a piece of my mind. So I think I stayed I, I stayed in San Diego six months and then I subletted the rest of my year out to this really nice kid, a Navy SEAL kid. Um, and then I moved into San Antonio. So I'm, I'm living there, subletting my apartment to finish out in San Diego and then finish the business plan in two months in San, Di San Antonio came to Austin, still not having a, a retail store, just living off of the savings that I made off of that other job. Um, lived in this apartment for six months, just trying to find a retail space. Like I couldn't sleep. I, I had a mattress down here in the <laughs> living room because I, I my brain was just constantly going. So like you said, going from uh, that business that I had going and then to having nothing, my brain is still going yeah, as if I should. Wide, so you yeah. feel like a sense of a lack of purpose and like this weird, dichotomy in your brain where you're just like I was something I was doing something so well and everybody told me not to quit everyone told me to stay in my lane and do all that shit and then I was just like I can't anymore so then came here with nothing I swear to god I watched the entire prison break season because I couldn't sleep and that is like six seasons of hour-long episodes of 20 episodes each like I just watched prison break the whole time to try to clear my brain and we finally, it's like you're resetting yourself Dude, like yeah, that you got to like reset yourself on yeah, like what what it is your life is and where you wanted to go and like any grief you had because for me it was like grief uh, of wow I'm leaving something that everyone told me is so valuable yep. and like now it's just like yeah because of money and now like that grief I had to let go of is just like that's actually like a flip. Like it's not really my grief because if I don't value what they value, then it doesn't really matter. That's on you. So that's the and that's where like that clearing of the brain. As soon as you clear it, you can then be steadfast in your ways and start moving forward. So when you're going through this like whole cleanse of your brain and your body, yeah. Then how did you find that spot in the oasis? Like so, we had hired realtors, but we ended up. Uh, my sister was my partner in the beginning she found uh, LoopNet and just like- What's LoopNet? LoopNet is a, an, a, an amazing retail site, uh, retail space site for entrepreneurs or okay. whatever it is who like realtors have access to it, but they give it access to the public too. So we found it, our realtors end up getting paid on it for like finalizing the deal, but we were the ones who found that space. And so we went out there, it was disgusting, mold all over everything. Just imagine like a, a four year old Froyo shop of whatever the fuck was back Ugh. there, bacteria, whatever. And we have pictures of everything and it. it's amazing to see before and afters of like what we transformed the space into because we did it all ourselves, Pinterest, YouTube, whatever it was, we were not handsy at all. 
And when we had our first meeting of the general contractors, they said it was going to be like $40,000 before labor. That was just in materials. And that was the entire budget, if that. So. We and what like, was your budget coming from? Just in terms of uh, my bank account, like not what was left, but more of like what I was willing to spend yeah. because like I needed some type of And how did you security. decipher how much you were willing to spend? I didn't. I just, I just let it roll and it's crazy because my sister's a huge spender um, and so it was kind of dangerous but we just rolled with it and every every thousand dollars that just kept adding up that I was just paying off the Home Depot credit card essentially. Because um, like we, when, I, when I consult for people, like the biggest thing I tell them is like you need to have three to six months saved up in case sh shit hits the fan. So whatever, your, whatever else is left over after those three to six months, that's like you're spending what you can do so like let's say like so if you had forty thousand dollars to spend okay maybe uh you spend three to five grand a month on on living right so five five grand times six months 30 grand so you yeah. technically need 70 grand saved up to then start this business where right. you need 40 grand that would be my recommendation but uh it's not necessarily no. what i did nor no. <laughs> what most what people do. Can do um but yeah. anybody listening i highly recommend that you kind of do that and take a little bit slower path because like as you were as mike was building and like as i was building when we were in our corporate jobs like i wish i had somebody tell me the structure on how to actually do that so then you you have this 40 grand and it's over budget then what do you do um then we uh, the craziest thing too was we we built the store and then we're still like okay how the fuck are we gonna make the ice cream like <laughs> like to think you didn't about think how that through first no, not at all and it's so we were like three weeks before opening because the store was actually coming together because we thought it was going to be a decent while. And then we just hustled every day, nine to nine, to put up walls and do everything we had to do. And then all of a sudden, the time came and we're just like, okay, now we need to stock up. And so we made some calls around Austin and figured out everything we had to do. We ended up making this like the best banana soft serve that will ever exist. I'll go up against anybody. It's literally organic bananas blended in with a vanilla mixture, soft serve machine. It's game changing. And so we started out with that and just had other flavors on up front, the soft serve. We just did all these kinds of things until we finally really honed in on what we're good at. And there was a learning curve in that, but we were able to make money because no one else knows that you're going through a learning curve. They're just showing up for ice cream. So that was something that was really, really cool too. That's the biggest thing. Like yeah. with you just an present. entrepreneur is just like behind closed doors, you could be a shit show. And if you, if you let that stress get to, you're gonna fold, you're gonna crumble. Yeah. But you always have to show up with that smile on your face, which is, this is where like you go through your past of, you were in a job, if you can sell things you don't even love, you're gonna fucking crush it when you do you're love passionate. it. And it's just like all my friends that have like quit or done whatever and finally found what they're trying to do they're, and passionate about it, they're killing it, they're killing the game. And that's where like for you, that same thing, that's why you, didn't, you, you weren't really scared of, I mean, you, maybe in the moment you're scared that holy shit, I have no idea what I'm doing, but as long as I show up and then keep showing up each and every day and fixing those problems, just like you were doing with the, with the cars, it's gonna sort itself out. What was like one of the things that you can remember um, other than like struggling with the ice cream and figuring that out, but handling customers? Because that's a huge thing with like understanding, like you, you, were, you were working B2B before, right. and now you're working with okay, I'm dealing with people that are paying for my ice cream and they can leave Yelp reviews and they can leave these reviews. Like, run me through how that's, what your mindset was when you first started with all that. 
Yeah, so to your point, uh, the whole fake it till you make it thing is so huge because you're just presenting yourself as if you've been doing an ice cream, running an ice cream shop for years when it's literally your first day on the job. And like, I remember my sister was nervous to make her little first scoop and sale. <laughs> and like, and now like in the shop, it's like second nature on how to like deal with people. Um, and you write about the passion for the sales thing too. I always say my dad could sell shit to a homeless person and I got his techniques and manipulated them into dealing with customers. Um, and the Yelp review thing, Google Maps, Facebook, whatever it was, you just, I'm just killing everybody with kindness, but in a genuine way. And they, every, every transaction for the entire first year was like, oh, you're the owner, aren't you? Because every scoop was an opportunity for me to sell our brand, tell them what we're doing, um, and there's so many ways to go about it. And the way that we tried to tie the vegan thing in is every time someone's like, holy shit, this is the best ice cream I've ever had. First question is, have you heard of us before? Oh, no, that's okay. Um, everything here is dairy-free, gluten-free, organic. And they're just like, what? It's like the thing that they're like, they light up in some certain kind of way that it makes us feel fulfilled in every single scoop that we sell because we're changing the game where now maybe if somebody sees a vegan burger on a menu, they're like, well, I had really good vegan ice cream here. Maybe that burger that it's 2019, that'll taste just as good as the ice cream did. You're basically like, the cool thing is you were talking about getting your foot in the door as a salesman. So like you're helping other people get their foot in the door to veganism and ultimately just being more conscious of what they're putting Putting in their their body and then ultimately what we're doing to the earth to put, to allow other people to put things in their body um, and be sustainable with that. So that's super cool to hear. And like what I love about you and one of the reasons that I brought you on is like, this is a, this is a health based episode where I want you to like talk about being vegan and how that helped you. But most of the time we're talking about business life mindset. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people out there don't understand is that fitness and health and what you eat and all these things are just the underlying thing to everything else. It's not the end all be all. And we, even before we were talking on this podcast, you're talking about like dieting and, and tracking because you're doing a slight cut right now. But at the end of the day, like the reason behind why you're doing it is so much bigger. And a lot of people don't create that reason for themselves. Most of the time they're just like, oh, I want to cut 20 pounds because I need to put a bathing suit on. Um, But then they go hire somebody and that's the end game. But then what happens when summer ends and then you put it right back on. Plus 20. And then, yeah, plus plus 20 again. And they don't realize how much that affects their life and their, their output, which then affects their money, their relationships, everything. So what is like one thing that you can, I guess, speak to in terms of veganism and how it's impacted your life? Not just because it made you healthier, but what has it made you more conscious of in your own lifestyle? So whether it's business, relationships, uh, business relationships, um, significant others, buying other products. Definitely. Um, I think what happens when you are sacrificing, or people generally don't want to sacrifice taste for health. And that was the whole reason why we opened Antisocial was so that you don't have to. Um, That was just the be all end all. You can have something that was less calories, less fat, um, no cholesterol at all. So we're not clogging any arteries for you to consume something that was just as creamy as dairy. So that being said, I thought it was really, really important for us to 
figure out a way to have that and then also have the environmental impact that I have to mention because it's just been something that's so important to us. We have saved over 7.6 million gallons of water, 64,000 pounds of feed, 13.5 thousand pounds of CO2 <laughs> emissions, and 7,747 hours of milking cows in just the two years we've been working. And that's really, that's really what it's about. Um, sometimes when you lose your motivation, uh, that's just, that over. That's that underlying mission. That's how are mission. you tracking that? Um, so I was able to figure out the math of how much, uh, how much a gallon of milk has on the environment and then how much it has on the cows, how much, how much feed goes into the cows and then for us to have the milk. And just like, I did all these different algorithms. I stayed up to like four o'clock in the morning on our first <laughs> year, because awesome. this is why I'm doing it. And I have to, you have to show the people yeah. like, this is our underlying reason. Um, and storytelling. I, on a, yeah, on a personal note too, I try to represent veganism in the most positive, strong way possible because with hanging out with people like you and in this fitness community, I want to be, of the elite group and they can be like oh that dude's vegan that's fucking sick and he can have a body like that that's awesome and so people slide in the dms or whatever like oh my god like what are you doing differently and it's just like i'm just eating plants that's that's the overall heightened mission and it's something that i keep in mind every single day um that is my that's my z is definitely having people view you and think that you must be a meat eater or consuming whey protein or doing all these things. And it's like, no, I actually do none of those things. And just to be different and set yourself aside, that is the overall be all end all goal for me. And that's why to we're be talking you. about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just be and you. without that nine to five job, without feeling my stomach get tight around my seatbelt, and without my grandfather telling me that dairy-free ice cream shops the stupidest fucking idea he's ever heard, because he comes from the old school mentality where people are just telling you, no, don't do that. You can't do that. You're not going to be good at it. And just like proving that kind of stuff wrong and now having amazing conversations with him to this day about how our sales are doing. And he's super involved. So that built my relationships out with my family as well. Besides just having something to and talk that, about at Christmas, you know, like yeah, an that. actual depth and how he has an ice cream shop. Um, he owns a property, real estate property, that's an ice cream shop. So then he's telling his guy to like contact me about how to make cereal milk ice cream and how to use Captain Crunch because it's made without vitamin D3, which is from animal products. And like so many things, you just never know what you're gonna turn out to be. And we're just super proud to still be here, to be talking to you and just like, it's like, it's kind of always surreal to like wake up and be like, cause people are always stoked. They're like, dude, you have your own ice cream shop. I'm like, yeah, I've seen it every day for three years now but everybody loves it. And I just like, it's it's definitely always humbling too when they get like, so you're the owner and you're like, yeah. And they're like, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. How old are you, 29? Sick. Yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of, the relationships have just been, I've met so many great people from this job and it's just, it's just never ending. And I hope to keep satisfying people all summer and then we'll see what happens after that with the shop. That's so awesome. And what I love what you said in all that was how, you had this relationship with your grandfather and he's saying having this one view and then you changed his view and ultimately like whether you're vegan keto paleo i don't care what you do 
um, whatever works for you, but that ultimate ability to do what you did and like reduce your ego and still have this relationship with him afterwards and then yeah. maybe teach him. Because a lot of people hold on to that shit. They'll be like, yo, you told me that I couldn't do this and now I did it, but then yeah. still fuck you. Like, I don't even care. Like, you told me I couldn't do it and then I just, you basically are starting. But that at the end of it, is just being like everybody else. It's just being like him. So you're not helping him change if you do it and then you're like, fuck you. Right. But now you're like helping people change just by awakening them to the thought that they could possibly change and do things a little bit differently yeah. and still quote unquote succeed in today's society. So I love uh, what you said there. And unfortunately we gotta get to wrapping this up. So I have one last question for you. How did you get the name antisocial and what does it mean and why? Uh, so backtrack a little bit. Um, our first shop was called Vice Cream. It was straight up stood for vegan ice cream, spelled a little differently. Then there was a dairy company out there that got a little upset. They had a similar name. They cease and desisted us because I don't know if they were threatened by the whatever we were doing it was fine. We came up with antisocial because I feel like after this long journey, we've become a little bit antisocial in just the terms of how we deal with customers and that we didn't really get to touch on that too much but um we have like an in and out mentality where we get to like serve a scoop give them our spiel and then and then it's like a done deal so every customer is a transaction but the real overall sense of it is that most ice cream socials are dairy based and we claim to be anti-dairy so we're anti-social ice cream co that's awesome yeah how do people take to it do they ask you it all the time my landlords like... did not take to it very well <laughs> i i I didn't know in the least that you had to ask for permission for a certain name or whatever, because essentially they are the establishment, okay? They got billionaires out in Houston that are funding this whole like space. So pretty much what happened was they I had to write essentially a fucking Bible verse depicting to them that it wasn't anti-them, it wasn't anti-this or anti-that. It was just our entire MO was written in an email to be able to have this name. And this was just like three months ago when That's we restarted awesome. with it. So That's awesome. Yeah, um, They didn't take kindly to it, but everybody loves the name. We're selling merch like crazy because essentially we're all antisocial in this world where we're so connected, podcast, Instagram, Facebook, any social media, we're all with each other on our phones. So we're antisocial inherently now based on the ability to become super social and it's it's kind of ridiculous when you have a fucking six-year-old kid on their iPhone looking for Pokemon when there's ice cream in front of their face and I'm just sitting there like, hello, like I'm here. I know you couldn't imagine. <laughs> I couldn't imagine going to an ice cream shop when I was six thinking more about a fucking piece of plastic yeah, or metal. There's phone. chocolate all over my face. Yeah, exactly. Though, and I'm running around yeah, and you're I'm going crazy. putting a leash on me. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and that is not today's world. Sure, they scream vanilla in my face. Sure, they, they throw things, but like really... They're so engaged in this antisocial social world that that's another reason why we, we chose that. So That's awesome. That is amazing marketing. And the, the number one thing is for anybody else out there, again, if you're starting something, disruption is key. So not only did you disrupt with your product, but you disrupted with your name and your branding. So that is huge when it comes to long-term success. And man, I, I'm... 100% sure you're going to be on here again and we're going to be talking about some some pretty cool things within the next couple years. So that's what we're going to we're going to end this on is like what's your next step and where can people find you and support you? Um, next step is still up in the air. We're looking to figure out a way to monopolize these uh, this ice cream industry uh, in a positive way whether it be branching out to other 
ideas of businesses, um, you can find me at Mike Limangeli on social on Instagram, and then at Antisocial Ice Cream Co. Uh, also on Instagram right now. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening today. Really, really appreciate it. For you, for those of you who don't know, I highly recommend you reach out to Mike. He's a man uh, that has a lot of knowledge in a lot of different areas and a super good guy. So hope everyone has a wonderful day and thrive on.